Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. First time Rebecca meets Ted, she asks, how do you take your tea? Ted answers, well, I usually take it right back to the counter because someone's made a horrible mistake. But when in Rome, right? Mm. Ah, welcome to life on earth. Thank you for joining me. I am looking forward to this discussion with you in the chat. It's time to talk about Ted Lasso. What a show, what a show, what a show. The television series Ted Lasso just wrapped up its run. And I want to encourage any of you who haven't seen it yet, you got to watch this show. And those who have seen it, I want you to join me in celebrating its massive success. And so we'll give it a second watch. Hmm. All right. That was interesting. Uh, my bad. That was from my side. Oh, it's quite all right. You know, if you don't get it right the first time, well, you know what they say. Uh, speaking of folksy sayings, again, we're talking Ted Lasso. One of the great things I love about Ted Lasso is wisdom. I was going to call this episode the Tao or Tao of Ted, Ted Lasso. I thought maybe that was going a little bit too far. So much good stuff in this show. And again, I want you, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. If you have already, I want you to find you probably have the same inspiration, the same encouragement in that show. Incorporate these lessons. Well, we're already objectivists. What do we need that for, right? Well, let's talk about that. There was a recent Reason Magazine article. No, not about Ted Lasso. A recent Reason Magazine article about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Great show. And the, the title of the essay was, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Celebrated Selfishness as a Virtue by somebody named Eric Bohm. It was pretty good. It was not ideal, but you know, I'm not sure I could have done much better. And I believe Ted Lasso deserves such a tribute even more than Midge Maisel does. But first things first, I'm take a look at my chat here. Yes, folks are in the chat and we've got a new member on board. Welcome to the Ayn Rand Center UK YouTube channel. But first things first, there's one thing I don't know about Ted Lasso. And it's this, as far as I can tell, no one except for the star, Jason Sudeikis, knows the answer to this. And that question is why is the Fountainhead Ted Lasso's favorite book. We know that it is. He says it explicitly in a scene. He even says, uh, but not for the reasons you would think. But then this way the scene plays out. We never get the reason. I don't know. But by all means, let us know in the chat if you have inside information on this or if you just have a really good guess. So Ted Lasso, as most of you know, is a sports comedy. A series starring Jason Sudeikis as Coach Ted Lasso, an American college football coach who's recruited to coach an English Premier League football team, a.k.a. soccer team, even though he has no experience coaching soccer. Recipe for disaster, right? Or at least for hilarity. Why this happens and what happens as a result, it, it's a mystery that unfolds throughout that first season of this three-season show. Now, spoiler alert, there are enormous successes and failures along the way, and the show is, at turns, exciting 
and touching and outrageous and very, very funny. And some of the lessons of Ted Lasso are obvious, and you don't have to have finished the whole series to catch them. For example, number one, strive. You can and should strive. You, each and every one of us, from the coaches to the kit man, to the owners, to the fans, and that emphatically includes you, the viewer, can and should be a champion at whatever your career, whatever your level of ability and achievement, be the best you can. Strive. Number two, believe. Believe. Believe in yourself. Believe you can improve and work to do so. Believe you can succeed. You can achieve your goals. Believe you are worthy of success and be worthy. And believe likewise in your team, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your loved ones, and help them be their best to live up to your belief. And whenever you do fail, in Ted's words, uh, be a goldfish. The lasso's point with the expression, be a goldfish, is that a goldfish only has a 10-second memory, and that's just how long you should let your own failures matter. Learn, but don't dwell. Learn and then move on. Don't let anything, not even your own limitations, stop you. Believe. Okay, number three. Be good. Virtuous. Or in the words of Ted Lasso, doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Now, spoiler alert, there will be one or two, maybe just one, spoilers. If you haven't seen the show, consider turning your volume down or just distract yourself for the next 34 seconds. In a Reddit thread, linked to in my show notes, on Twitter and Facebook, show co-creator and Coach Beard actor Brendan Hunt was asked, did Ted and Michelle get back together? Is that how we're supposed to read the final scenes back in Kansas? And his answer is a bit of a spoiler, but it's also kind of a non-spoiler. He answered like this. Ah, to slightly abridge another answer I gave, Ted and Michelle's status is intentionally ambiguous. It would seem Jake's no longer around. Ted and Michelle definitely care about each other, but they're both very different people now than who they were. What's unambiguous is their desire to be good parents for Henry. Okay, those of you who tuned out for 34 seconds, you, you come back. I have to mention that because of the Reason Magazine article, Reason.com article on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, about how she was supposedly selfish, did in fact mention, well, Midge failed in one regard, and that was with her family, and especially her children. Ted Lasso was at risk of making the same failure. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. Be good. And now some of the lessons are less obvious, but are equally or perhaps even more important and fun. Uh, number four, life is. Life is or should be funny. <laughs> no, not inexplicable. Just funny, fun, joyous, clever, adventurous, surprising. Your relationships with other people 
should be fun, cooperative, competitive, mutually inspiring, and amusing. It's funny, central to the plot of the show are advertisements for an online dating app, a team sponsor called Banter. Because humorous banter is central to the show. If you've ever watched an episode of Ted Lasso and thought you got all the jokes, all the quips, all the connections, you you didn't. The script is very smartly and densely written with both meaning and humor happening on multiple levels. And happily, this means repeated viewings pay dividends. Uh, I've got a couple of people in the chat here. I've got to say hi to Equal to Reality and Linda Cordaire. Incidentally, speaking of Linda Cordaire, she sponsored today's Thursday Collective. In fact, Ted Lasso came up briefly, briefly during that show. She didn't sponsor this episode. So I'm going to put it out there anyway. You need to go to Cordaire.com, C-O-R-D-A-I-R.com. If you've never gone before, we talk about a TV show that's inspiring. There's a website that's inspiring. Do that thing. Hello, Linda. Glad you're here. I also see unsigned 32-bit individualist in the chat. Good to see that you made it here. A friend of ours who isn't on Facebook, so doesn't get all the notifications that I send out. And equal to reality. Hello there. Thank you for that. Now, let me jump to my number five here. Number five lessons, wisdom of Ted Lasso. And this will be a little longer but crucial, important, good stuff on second chances. Now, when it is rationally warranted, forgiveness and the offering of second chances is in your self-interest. And it seems easy enough to know when it's rational in objectivism. And it, it, here, I just happen to have it handy here. In the book, it's all laid out. There's three elements to forgiveness, when it's proper to forgive somebody. Number one, when an apology is offered, which fully and directly acknowledges what the transgressor did. Number two, the person in question demonstrates, both through word and through action when possible, that he has learned or changed in such a way he's no longer the person who would commit that action. And number three, when it's appropriate to forgive, the person has made restitution where possible and appropriate. Okay, clear enough, but consider this. Forgiveness, as we know, it's usually morally optional and it's often highly complex, very contextual, depends on the situation. And there's often an element of risk involved. Even if you've got good reasons to forgive a person, they can still, owing to free will, their own volition, their own choice, they can still betray your trust or disappoint you again. And that's why I say it's important to be wealthy. Now, yes, financially wealthy, but also and especially psychologically wealthy, spiritually wealthy. On a Facebook group, which I do recommend, called Ted Lasso Talk, a poster wrote about one of the lessons her family discussed this watching the series, including, quote, vulnerability as a strength, not a weakness, unquote. Now, if that sounds like a contradiction, well, think again. I do know people. I know people who cannot afford to take chances. 
on friends, acquaintances, peers, even their family. They cannot afford to be disappointed, not even a little. Their trust accounts are overdrawn. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. See, they can't afford to be vulnerable because they're not that strong. Now, whether their self-esteem is too fragile or their view of the world, people in the world is too malevolent or damaged, hurt, they can't, or at least they feel they can't, afford to give second chances. Stronger people can. You know, a trivial example, I've always liked loaning out money, you know, in modest amounts, because it's a kindness which pays for itself in goodwill. And the money almost always comes back to me, but that's not the issue. The kindness, the goodwill, the camaraderie always comes back. And I can afford the rare disappointment. I'm wealthier than that, both in my wallet and in my psyche. Same thing with second chances. I can afford to take chances on people, to expend, ex extend out a bit more than I might if I were, say, a pessimist, because I am psychologically, spiritually wealthy. The lesson from Ted Lasso, the risk is worth it. And it almost always pays off. This is why, minor spoiler, but this is why Nate is redeemed and why Rupert is not. Uh, to make this clear, uh, Ted gives many second chances, perhaps the most extreme of which is revealed in the story of how he met Coach Beard, which I'm not going to tell, uh, told near the end of the series. Given this, people might think that this show advocates unconditional love. But no, no, no. This show has its heroes. And it does have its villains, unloved villains. And the worst of the villains do prove irredeemable. So second chances brought Nate back to Richmond and to the team, to the people that he loved. This is an unconditional love, not in the literal oxymoronic, inherently contradictory sense. Nate is redeemed because he wants and deserves to be redeemed. At his core, Nate wants and chooses to be good, value-oriented, virtuous. And this is what Ted Lasso means when he advises, be curious, not judgmental. Yes, you, you've got to judge, but start first with curiosity. You just might find that your initial judgment was hasty. Seek first to understand, then to know. Forget who said that. The science fiction author Robert Heinlein wrote, Your enemy, your enemy is never a villain in his own eyes. Keep this in mind. It may offer a way to make him your friend. If not, you can kill him without hate and quickly. Unquote Robert Heinlein. Or in the words of Francisco d'Anconia, the only man never to be redeemed is the man without passion. My favorite Ayn Rand quotes, the only man never to be redeemed is the man without passion. Nate lost his way, but he never lost his passion, his desire to be virtuous, to be good, to live his values. And 
speaking of values, I want to say thank you to the folks in the chat for joining me on this episode. We have a new member. I can't get the name because YouTube isn't behaving itself. Let's see if I can do that. There we go. Zach Ball, welcome to YouTube membership. Always posts a free message from there. Would love to see a super chat in here because, you know, Ayn Rand Center UK is kept alive by you, the people who support the ARC UK. You can become a member by using the link at the top of the chat, aynrandcenter.co.uk. Look at become a member there. And any dollars that you put in on a super chat, hit the dollar sign on the bottom. It'll make your comments stand out and your comments absolutely deserve to stand out. <laughs> Jax is in the chat, says long time, no talk. Yes, we did get to talk earlier today. If you missed today's TDO, the Daily Objective, Thursday Collective Edition, go back and watch that after we're done here. Now, what did I say? Speaking of values. Oh, mm, tea. Uh, Ted Lasso says, you know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. I'm kidding, of course. I always drink coffee on this show. It is coffee in a teacup. Speaking of values, on judging, and this will seem trivial, but it was a big one to me, on judging other people's optional values. My, my only answer there is values are values. Consider, consider Coach Beard and Jane, his girlfriend. The Ted Lasso boards and fan forums are full of people who wonder, what the hell does Coach Beard see in Jane? Jane, Beard's British girlfriend, she's just awful. And it's so clearly an abusive relationship. Why does Coach Beard tolerate it? There's one thing my mother taught me in this regard. My mother told me when I was a teenager, if you can't figure out why a given couple is together, realize one thing. One thing you don't know about them is what they're like when you're not around, and especially behind closed doors, but otherwise, too. In this show, Beard and Jane have an over-the-top, outrageous relationship. You know, it brings to mind the character of Dominique Franken in uh, Ted Lasso's favorite book there. And the many objectivists who have wondered, why would Howard Rourke put up with a woman who spends years trying to ruin his career and his life? But you know, some people live larger than that. I used to say, I don't mind if life has tragedies as long as it also has ecstasy. Now, objectivism taught me the good doesn't require evil to exist. You can have all good. You don't have to have the bad in your life. But my earlier belief still stands. There are many circumstances in which you're offered a mixed value. And you can decide, do I want to take the good with the bad? Or just walk away. And if some of the most fun experiences also include risk, if some of the most passionate people are also high maintenance, and if in the moment there aren't, you know, less mixed cases on the menu, then I will take drama over boring any day and twice on Sundays. So Beard and Jane forever. And speaking of relationships, on the topic of friendship, you know, some friendships come with obligations. Maintenance requires duties. But in that great Reddit thread that I've linked to when Brendan Hunt answered questions about the show, remember, he's a co-creator, co-writer, so he knows. <laughs> he was asked, how often do you imagine 
Beard and Ted talking after the finale. When do you imagine them seeing each other next? I'll give Hunt's answer in just a moment, but I'm seeing Super Chat come in and, and I've got to I've got to say, love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Mary Aline is in and says, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Stephen Covey. Of course, I should have remembered that was Stephen Covey. Thank you very much for that. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. I appreciate it. Uh, Linda Cordaire is in and says, thanks for the love. Always, always, always. And Jax, co-host for today's episode, says, why do you think Fountainhead is Ted's favorite book? is alarming to non-objectivists. Oh, Jax, I wish I could tell you I didn't know, but I've been reading too many of these fan forums, and when they address that question, the things they write are just the worst caricature of the deranged Ayn Rand enemy. Just, oh, she's the worst. And, you know, there were a few people who were more gracious and said, well, you know, the Fountainhead, whatever you think of Ayn Rand, is about individualism and self-assertion and believing in yourself and but yeah, unfortunately, I didn't find a lot of good answers out there to the uh, question, why is it alarming? It's alarming because they don't know, because they don't know any better. They don't understand Ayn Rand. They don't understand objectivism. A lot of them blindly assume that anything to do with Ayn Rand is right wing. And if they consider themselves liberal or left, it just immediately negative reactions. Oh, she believes in selfishness. And that, you know, that means Bernie Madoff or Rupert in Ted Lasso. So yes, yes, Jack says, I see parallels of creativity and integrity in both Rourke and Ted. Absolutely could not agree more. Um, in that Reddit thread, when Brendan Hunt was asked, well, how, how, do you, how often do you imagine Beard and Ted talking after the finale? Since the question comes up, it's not even really a spoiler, but Brendan Hunt answered this, and I love this. Speaking of friendships. I think they don't see each other again for years. And when they do, it'll be like they just saw each other yesterday. They won't skip a beat. I have, this is Brendan Hunt, the writer answering, I have many relationships like that, and I treasure them. Close quote. No duty, only value. Hmm. Number seven. An overarching theme which makes the characters in Ted Lasso both endearing and inspiring. They have a unique, rare form of integrity. And that is, in this show, each character has a strong personal identity. You know, they grow and they change, but they are who they are. Ted is Ted. Rebecca is Rebecca. Keeley is Keeley. Roy Kent is Roy Kent. It brings to mind Stephen Mallory talking to Dominique about Rourke in The Fountainhead when she asks, when she's away from Rourke, how he's doing. And Mallory answers like this. He doesn't change, you know. I often think he's the only one of us who's achieved immortality. Now, I don't mean in the sense of fame, and I don't mean that he won't die someday, but he's living it. I think he is what the conception really means. You know, how people long to be eternal, but they die with every day that passes. When you meet them, they're not who you met last. In any given hour, they kill some part of themselves. They change, they deny, they contradict, and they call it growth. At the end, there's nothing left. Nothing unreversed or unbetrayed. 
as if there had never been an entity, only a succession of adjectives fading in and out on an unformed mass. How do they expect a permanence which they have never held for a single moment? But Howard, one can imagine him existing forever. Unquote. Stephen Mallory in the Fountainhead. See, Ted is Ted. Higgins is Higgins. Jamie Tart is Jamie Tart. Speaking of which, there's a great exchange between Coach Lasso and the player, Jamie Tart. Ted asks, hey, Jamie, what would you rather be, a lion or a panda? And Tart answers, Coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? <laughs> to which Ted Lasso responds, I'm not sure you know how psychologically healthy that actually is. Love that exchange. And it's given as a quip, and yet it's a brilliant, wonderful. I'm not sure any of us know how psychologically healthy that actually is. Identity and integrity. The characters do grow. They learn. And most of all, they live their values. The game, the team, the experiences. And most especially the people around them, they value, they love. It's enormously heartening. It's a reminder that each of us gets to do the same. You get to do the same. Another super chat support from Jeff Bannister. Thank you very much for that, Jeff. I hope up in Canada, you're doing okay. I don't know if you're on the east or the west side there. The uh, wildfires are certainly having an impact on the United States. But I do appreciate your support. And Equal to Reality, it looks like Equal to Reality gave a membership gift, and that was picked up by somebody who is now a member for the next month of the ARC UK YouTube channel. Thank you for that, Equal to Reality. That is appreciated. Very cool. Ted Lasso, it's a comedy and a drama, you know, miniseries. You know, your life is your miniseries. You get to set the standards, the style, the way the world is. You know, do not underestimate the extent to which you are at the center of the universe. And everybody else's level of humor, of passion, of virtue is in relation to you, not the other way around. You get to make this life, which means this world, or at least your corner of it, the way you want it to be. You are the star. You are the director. You are the producer, you are the screenwriter, you set the standard. Now, if that sounds too woo, let me fix it up a bit. In line with the virtue of pride and the value of self-esteem, you are the star. In line with the virtue of integrity and the value of purpose, you are the director. In line with the virtue of productiveness and the nature of man, you are the producer. In line with the virtue of rationality and the faculty of volition, you are the screenwriter. You are writing this script. And in line with the virtue of justice, you do set the standard. And in line with the lasso way, each of these very potent truths is equally so of everyone you know. In learning to appreciate themselves and one another, to be honest with themselves and to open up to one another, 
to love themselves and to love one another. The characters in Ted Lasso learn this lesson. There is no necessary clash, no inherent contradiction between our values, between us. In Ayn Rand's words, there is no conflicts of interest among men, neither in business, nor in trade, nor in their most personal desires. If they omit the irrational from their view of the possible and destruction from their view of the practical. Let me say that again, and I'll leave off the second half. There is no conflict of interests among men, neither in business nor in trade, nor in their most personal desires. Now, a bit of indulgence. Just in case I haven't yet sold someone on the show, I'd like to share just a few of my personal things about the show. The plot points are all brilliantly woven together, delightfully woven together. It's, it's a joy to follow the plot. Roy Kent and Jamie Tart's rivalry and mentorship and friendship. Higgins' discovery of his own integrity. If you've been watching for a while, think of who Higgins was when we first meet him. The development of the Jamie Roy Keeley love triangle and the resolution of it, surprising but brilliant. Colin and Trent in Amsterdam. And the resolution of Colin's arc in that final episode, including Michael picking up a ticket reserved for Winona Judd. <laughs> Rebecca's final scene, making the series finale a pilot episode after all. A Rick Roll funeral. Of course, Nate's betrayal and redemption. Via not Ted, but the last person you would expect to forgive him, to reach out to him. The countless ways in which the teammates stick up for, stand up for one another. You know, one of the characters advising Rebecca, sometimes you have to do the right thing, even if you lose. I mean, sure, we're objectivists. We know the moral is the practical. Ultimately, in this show, we see it. Honesty, integrity, justice, and hard work, investment in good people, kindness, love. In the long run, and even in the moment, virtue leads to values, success, joy, camaraderie, adventure, fun, victory. You know, I've spoken on this show before about honor, loyalty, hope, some concepts that we don't always give much credit to. But the next time I bring my evidence to the, of the crucial value of honor and loyalty and hope to the table, well, I'll have Ted Lasso in my arsenal. One of the primary values I took from Ted Lasso and from a few, very few other recent shows with a similar sense of life, uh, marvelous Miss Maisel might count, but certainly Emily in Paris, is the reinforcement of things I already know, but which I would love, love, love to see more often in art, in entertainment, and in real life. So I'll end with this. And, and I'll warn my producer, I'm not going to end the show with the words life on earth this time. So when you hear that, the show ain't over yet. But let me end with this. Number eight, values are primary. 
said it before and I'll say it again. The good, the fun, the moments which are ends in themselves matter a lot. The evil matters very little. You know, notice in Ayn Rand's novels, the, e the evil characters are secondary. The primary action, the primary drama, the main conflicts are between the protagonists. I mean, sure, Atlas Shrugged is about Dagny Taggart versus her brother and Wesley Mouch and Mr. Thompson, but it's much more about Dagny and Hank versus Francisco and Ragnar. And, well, I'll keep that bit spoiler free. So, too, in the world of Ted Lasso, there are villains, but they're the least interesting part of the stories, the drama, the excitement, the fun, and that is as it should be. It's the good that matters. Evil? To quote Dagny Taggart, we never had to take any of it seriously, did we? And speaking of values, Yaren Brook has been saying recently, and of course he's been saying it for years, but other people, other people are of enormous value in our lives. That might sound obvious, but if not, let me say it even more strongly. People are just the best. You know, there's, there's the old hippy-dippy expression, the best things in life aren't things. Of course, a lot of people read that as anti-materialistic, anti-progress, anti-wealth, anti-things. But taken properly, it is literally 100% true. Imagine your life. Imagine your life surrounded by the kind of people in Ted Lasso's universe. Now, stop imagining and make it happen. It's easier than you think. And speaking of taken properly, let me go back to where I started. I don't know why. Nobody knows why, and it wasn't revealed, so no one knows why The Fountainhead is Ted Lasso's favorite book. And the show Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso ain't objectivism. Still, I am free to speculate, and it's better to speculate than never, that maybe The Fountainhead is Ted Lasso's favorite book because for all of the woo, the touchy-feely, the unseriousness, and the seriously mixed philosophical premises of the show, Ted Lasso, there is an underlying unbreakable respect for the individual in this show, a framework, a respect for reason and purpose and self-esteem, for values for this life on earth within which these people can exist and these events can and should happen. Yes, Ted Lasso is a sports comedy, clever, wickedly funny, masterfully executed. And yes, as a sports comedy, the show shows us competence, competition, excellence, winning. But far more essentially, it shows us what winning is for. Like great sculpture or painting or music or a great football game, whether soccer or American football, Ted Lasso shows us or teaches us or simply reminds us of many of the highest most inspiring, downright funniest, and best values of this life on earth, which normally would be my closer. But I would rather end by paraphrasing a line, not from Ted Lasso, but from Roy Kent 
if you will pardon a bit of his characteristic profanity. So I'll end with this. He's talking to Rebecca. She's uh, thinking of dating somebody who's not the best guy in the world. And Roy Kent says this, fine, fine. Nothing wrong with that. Most people are fine, but it's not about them. It's about you. You deserve a life that makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. Don't you dare settle for fine. <laughs>